Hello everyone, I'm Kevin Miller and this is The Ziggler Show. In this episode, where do you have mastery in your life? So the definition of mastery is comprehensive knowledge or skill in a subject or accomplishment. So being a complete master of anything, I mean, that's just questionable for anyone to proclaim, but everyone listening to this show likely has some area of life where you can viably claim a level of mastery and hopefully a growing level of mastery. This is the focus of the episode. And what we culminate with is the essential value of knowing your areas of of mastery. Again, that not that, you're, not that you're an absolute master in, but levels of mastery, areas of mastery, and the responsibility to be pursuing increased mastery in your life. Well, Tom Ziegler joined me to discuss this issue, and we talked through some listener comments to the question I posted, simply asking, where do you have the most mastery in your life? I think you're going to gain a lot from hearing the responses and then hearing Tom and I talk through them. And again, it really came out just with this elevating the level of value, elevating the gravity of knowing and pursuing mastery in our lives. Well, Tom, I'm ready just to unpack this aspect of mastery. And you know what, right before we dive in, let me just, I'll just read one of the very first comments we got, cause it'll lead us into kind of clarifying what we mean by this. Tiago says, I don't believe you can become a master of anything because there's always something to be learned, but I do believe someone can be really good at something, uh, especially by, uh, you know, auditing the fruit he or she reaps from it. I says, currently I'm working on my construction business and my personal development. I replied back. I said, that is why I said in the question, you know, where do you have the most mastery in your life? Not where are you a master? Because I totally agree. I don't know that I'll ever say, oh my gosh, I am a master of X. Kind of like our buddy uh, and Dr. Dr. Randy James, my co-host in the True Life podcast says, he doesn't like to use the word well. Nobody can be perfectly well. We can all be wellering is what he'll say. You know, we can all be getting weller. So in this, yeah. we can all be gaining in mastery. But I, I, I elevate it here because I think it's easy just to kind of go along, listen to great stuff, read great stuff, you know, do our jobs or whatever, and not really be growing and further not being aware of where we, where we have mastery in our lives. So I know you as an executive coach, you know, uh, well, you probably, do you spend time with clients who they may be rocking it in, you know, a high paying job, but they don't really know what skills, abilities, where they are, where they have mastery, what's transferable. Yeah. We spend a lot of time on this and, uh, I almost think I should save it till the end of the podcast. That way everybody has to listen the whole way. What do you think? All right. Hey, <laughs> it's a Ziggler show, man. Your name's Tom Ziggler. I think you can do what you do what you want. Well, yeah. I mean this, you know, it made me think too of, um, Malcolm Gladwell in outliers where he talks about 10,000 hours and somewhat kind of dispels that thing of we, you know, yeah, that, that Michael Jordan or Bill Gates or whatever big celebrity, wealthy, you know, yada, yada expert just fell out of the sky as a master they had the opportunity to gain mastery and they pursued it and they invested in it. And again, I just, I'm amazed at how often it's just a great exercise. And I think people, well, they attested to that in this, like, gosh, where, where do I have 
mastery, where would I say, okay, I'm pretty strong in this area. I think it surprises a lot of people when we think about it to realize we don't often do that. We don't often think of where, where am I really good? I always thought about, you know, if all of a sudden we were in a wartime arena and and every, you know, you were out of your job and they just needed help. You know, the country needs help. Where can we place you that you'd be able to, you'd need to say, where are you good at? Kevin, are you good at guns? Nope. Never. I've shot a couple ever in my life. Well, you're good at, you know, tactics. You're good at, uh, you know, media. Yeah. I could probably help with the PR or something, you know, whatever it is, but we should know where we could apply ourselves. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, one of the good things about this idea of mastery in any area is that when we, as we improve in an area, it bleeds over, right. It helps yeah. us in other areas. The things that we learn in one help us in another. True. Yeah. And, uh, in, in the book, choose to win. I talk about kind of a mastery of thought and in the beginning of the book, I'm working with, with, uh, actually John Rouse. And I say, I asked him the question, I said, Hey, you know, our mind has a choice. It can only be in one of three places. It can be focused on the present. It can be focused on the past or it can be focused on the future. And so I had him just kind of think about where does it, where is his mind most of the time? Cause guess what? The only place we can take action on is right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so we kind of broke it down and then I asked him the, the qualifying questions of, Hey, when you think about the past, is it positive? You're going back there for lessons learned for how you've grown for wisdom, for experience, or is it negative? Is it fear-based? Is it, man, I, I got burned last time I did that. I can't trust people. Uh Oh, you know, this is holding me back. And the same with the future, right? Because there are some people who they look into the future and man, it's just, it's rainbows, you know, I mean, it is opportunity and boy, it's going to be awesome. And other people look into the future and it's scary out there. I'm sheltering in place. I'm not going anywhere because you know, what could happen? And so we kind of have to have this, this mastery aspect of, to me, it starts with our, with our thinking about it mm-hmm. um, and, and what we're going to, you know, how are we going to grow and use it for? So we do talk a lot about this, although I haven't actually used the word mastery in something. Um, I, I like to think of here, here's an idea. Okay. So uh, we had uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf on a program uh, with our group yesterday and she talked a ton about mindset and the way we choose our mind. Yeah. And so, and, and, and she said this, you know, we are every single individual, every single human is unique. We have this unique set of characteristics and qualities and the way we think, the way we process our brain is receiving in all this information constantly. The way we filter it is so unique and mastery then is taking our uniqueness and maximizing that and we're all different. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions that I got out of that, which is a great question for all of us, can't, you know, uh, dad said, Zig Ziglar said that, uh, success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. Right. So I heard what Dr. Leaf said, and I, and I thought, well, wow, success is the maximum utilization of u- the uniqueness that I have. And so to me, mastery, then, I transform that into this thought. 
what mindset do I have to have to maximize my uniqueness? Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of cool because with the right mindset, anything, any particular thing that I want to go into and elevate in, I'm going to be better off because of it. Okay. I want to get into questions, but you just, I, I have like six bullet points from what you said. I love that. That what mindset, that is very much the point of the show. What mindset do you have? Do you have the intent to be mastering something? That is something I find myself talking to my kids about Tom, my older kids, especially, and that maximizing the, uh, the maximum utilization of your uniqueness, man, I'm, I'm in the Bible. I'm in the talents and that that's always convicted me. The parable of the talents, Jesus talking about the parable of the talents and just the responsibility to take my gifts, talents, skills, abilities, and grow them. And this goes back to Malcolm Gladwell's outliers where he may say, gosh, Kevin, you may have uh, of course, we're, we're all going to have some natural propensities within us, but we have to hone those things. There's nobody that fell out of the sky with a natural propensity for tennis and didn't practice and ended up at Wimbledon never happened. Now, hopefully the person with that propensity is, is the one you know, that worked and it came a little easier to him. You know, I was reading uh, Oswald chambers this week and uh, I do that devotional. And one of the, one of the themes is, is, is like this. We have to take ownership and responsibility of everything that we can do. Yeah. And then the things we can't do, we give it all to God. Yeah. Hmm. Right. So it's just another example of the, the tennis example that you gave. Yeah. We got to, we have to own what we can do. Yeah. Well, I also, though, you, the first thing you started off saying, uh, mastery bleeds over. Man, I, I love that point. And I've seen that to the benefit of pursuing mastery, expertise, uh, success in any area. I rarely see, I mean, I, I honestly can't think about, as you were talking, I was thinking about it. I don't know that I can think of anyone who's, who's gained a good level of mastery in one area that hasn't also then found mastery in other areas. You know, this is the consummate pro athlete who retires and generally becomes successful in business is, is an, is a consummate one. We know that in the military that not the uh, general, what is it called? The, the general enlistment, but special forces, the majority of those guys, when they retire, will start businesses. They were taught to be intuitive, to make things happen on stuff. It was a great, um, uh, not segue. What is that? It, it, it was, uh, uh, it, it just related well, you know, to that, but it, yeah, that it bleeds over and the benefit, man, if you've got a kid who's mastering Legos, the benefit of mastering anywhere, like you said, bleeds over. And again, I want people to hear the gravity of that. You know, we should get, we should get Seth Godin on here just to rant about education. Uh, because yeah, the rant on education is the way the system is set up. Yes. It's to produce a cog in the wheel, somebody yeah. who will take direction, somebody who will be obedient. Another, you know, in, in what, yeah. what, yeah. And what that, that, is it? That, I, would, that, I love that. Keep going. But that was, that was, that is, we talk about that a lot, but we don't really focus on that for me as a kid. I mean, I was, I had a natural propensity for English. I mean, I was a reader. I wrote well. And so they said, but that's great. You suck at math though. So let's go over there and give your focus there to teach me the basics so I can balance my checkbook and let me go get a, a level of mastery. Right. And so what Seth is saying is, Hey, you know, we need to educate our kids primarily in how to think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what's the difference between a special forces person? I mean, besides just kind of that rare 
breed who can withstand so much, they get taught how to think, right? Yeah. When they're out there, they have to think. There is no, there is, you know, they, they learn all the skills. They learn all the best practices for sure. But the bottom line is, is they win and they live and they fulfill their mission because they think. Absolutely. And where do we have corporations right now reeling from the generation of kids coming out of college that they're saying, they've been saying they don't, they, they may not know how to do X, but they don't have soft skills, which, you know, we get into, like you said, how to think intuition, have an insight. People skills is huge. And they don't have that. They can't, they can't deal with change. They can't deal with rejection. And somebody recently, and I've mentioned this a couple of times and I, I, I need to research it. So I give credit to whoever said it. He said, why are we calling these soft skills? We should be calling these the essential skills. It's timely right. now when we're, you know, with what's essential and not. So, so one of the things that's going on in the business world a lot right now is there's, there's a lot of paralysis going on and it's because the three-year strategic plan is out the window. Yeah. Everything we learned in business school about planning is suddenly, uh-oh, what do we do now? And the, the, the issue isn't, were they a master of strategic planning? A lot of them are. But what they should have been is a master of how to think to create the strategic plan. Yeah. Right. Because when all of a sudden it's a new world, I mean, if, if you are in commercial real estate, if you are in airline travel, if you were in all these different areas, guess what? You're going to have to think a new way through. And so what better to be than a master in the thinking of whatever you want to go in and do, because then you can be nimble and quick and you can adjust and adapt. That, well, and I, of course, it's, I always struggle with the shows these days because you know, we, these are evergreen shows are going to be listened to years from now. And yet right now we are still amidst uh, the coronavirus, the COVID-19 thing, as we record this in May of 2020. And yeah, talk about the need, uh, the benefit of knowing an area of mastery, especially that is transferable for all those people out there that have lost their jobs. And a lot of people, again, they just... They just don't know. Um, well, here, let's, this, we're going to pull some more stuff out. Um, let me just read through some different perspectives. Uh, Richard Powell, he said communicating. And I asked him what kind. He says, I'm a professional speaker and an author in both relationships or relational aspects and in business. And I like that. Why, I, you know, there's just the rea It brought me to the clarifying there are some jobs, businesses, roles that we do expect mastery. Somebody's going to get up and speak on stage. Generally, we expect them to be a good speaker. You always have celebrities who will, you know, they're going to put them on stage because it draws a crowd and they may not be that adept at speaking. But generally, somebody who says, I am a professional speaker, we expect that they have done their homework in that as opposed to somebody who says, I may be, a, and this is, how can I be kind here? But, you know, I'm an accountant. I know how to do numbers. Yeah. Are you a master of it? Well, I went through school. I learned how to do it and I can do it. I can do it sufficiently. Okay. But have you, are you achieving mastery in that? Do you have a unique area? Uh, so I think some things behoove themselves that speaking. I mean, that's your world professional speaking. I mean, if you are going to hold an audience's attention and further get any response afterwards, you've got to know how to do it. It doesn't just, that comes, well, I think your dad said that, didn't he say uh, to some degree that doesn't, or maybe it was in, in regards to sales that doesn't come naturally necessarily for anybody. If you're going to do it well, if you're going yeah. to really succeed. 
First off, I think being a master of communications, everybody should endeavor on that. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's so number one, uh, number two is, you know, I can see dad smiling in heaven right now, uh, around that. And I'll just kind of give you what I think is the, let's just say we call master level black belt and, you know, really, really, really good brown belt. Okay. So, so dad was a black belt and I asked him one time, uh, I said, Hey, you know what? You've got a tough crowd coming up. And in the speaking world, let me tell you what a tough crowd is. Uh, it's the last session of a four day conference. Um, it is an age group or a technical area. That's not your norm. For example, if you're used to doing, uh, you know, people who are paying their own ticket to go learn how to be an entrepreneur and suddenly you're at the the senior living community talking to, you know, 80 year olds on up, it's a different thing. And so I asked dad, um, what do you do? And he said, Oh, it's easy. And this is, this is black, you know, this is black belt mastery. He said, I never, I never once feel sorry for myself about the audience. The audience is the audience. The only thing I think of is what do I have to do different to get my message across? That's it. So that's thinking, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. It's not taking the same hammer and the same nail to this, you know, to the same speech. It's called, wait a second. You know, these guys need this and these guys need this. And it's, it's, it, and that's what true mastery is in communication. It's not about, I'm so good at this. Everybody should come and behold my speech. It's, this is what this group needs right now. Yeah. 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 That's maturity. You are listening to the Ziggler show and this episode on mastery. Next, we hear a comment about mastering self. And as you'll hear, this is where I think our most valuable mastery resides. Well, here are some great products and services and we'll jump right back into the show. In that. Well, uh, Jeff Bayless, and he's been posting a lot. He's a, uh, uh, in the Navy, he said self-awareness. So I asked him, I said, so mastery of self literally. And he said, yeah. And ensuring that I know I'm also flawed self-awareness on Maslow's hierarchy of needs is just before self-actualization and, and enlightenment. God's the only perfect being I know of with this in mind. I focus on my value system and character and pay attention when my actions aren't in line with them. Thus, self-awareness is the key to unlocking your best self so you can support others. So this is show 786. It was show 781. And this is what prompted this question, this focus was my show with Rob and Sharma, where we talked about personal mastery. And I will say, uh, Tom, that I believe that's the place we will get the most benefit in our life overall by seeking to daily be mastering. And of course that is the essence of Ziggler. It's why we do the habits show. What are the habits that we're doing that help us to master ourselves? That's another area that I think we can all tangibly relate to either with ourselves or maybe even more acutely with somebody we've experienced where they may be a master. Gosh, I, uh, my, my muse on that is surgeons, brain surgeons. So my son, my oldest son, Caleb, who, you know, had multiple brain surgeries as a kid. And we knew, uh, who we found out who's the best brain surgeon and we wanted the best brain surgeon. Oftentimes we found that the best brain surgeon had no, what we'd say back then, no bedside manner. 
meaning they, uh, they had not mastered themselves. They knew how to cut into a brain and we did, you know, hire them for that. And I'm grateful for that, but my goodness, they had, they had no personal mastery, at least as far as personal relationship skills go. And then sometimes it's obvious beyond that. And we've all met people like that, you know, the car mechanic, who's a jerk or the, you know, whatever they have not mastered themselves or they're in somebody who's a leader in an area, but Aaron had fallen in really ill health, bad lifestyle choices. We see that with celebrities who have mastered a skill and they won an Oscar, but they've got destroyed relationships and tabloid stuff going nuts and yada, yada. Um, you can have an area of success because this is, this goes back to our habit show, the seven spokes in the Ziggler wheel of life. We have somebody who's a shining star in one area and you can do that and have uh, destruction in the rest of your life. It's, I don't think that's the norm, but it is possible. There are exceptions out there, but who wants to be that way? We all talk about that. Do we want to pay that price and be the billionaire with uh, a wrecked family life or vice versa? And we don't. So mastery of self. I love the mastery of self, um, and we have a little chart. And I've actually thought about changing the the, the flow chart. So Dad came up with the you got to be before you can do, yeah. and you got to do before you can have, right? And yeah. then we added, well, when you have, you can give, and the ultimate gift is legacy. So that's the sequence. And so last year I did a lot of study on this, and there's actually a word that should come before be. And the word is think. So it's actually think, be, do, have, give, legacy. And so when you, when right out of the gate, and I think uh, Steve Rosen also put in being authentic, you know, that's, yeah. I want to, I want to master being he my was, authentic. He was next on my list here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So finally I beat you to the punch. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. So the idea is, is that golly, you know what, when we are self-aware, when we recognize who we are, the gifts we were created with, when we accept our flaws and know that God's really good with that, you know, I mean, he's, he's, there's a, we're going through uh, a journey and he wants us to recognize that. Then that's that authentic self can come out. Yeah. Right. And not only that, but the guilt could go away. Yeah. Uh, about that. And that's, to me, that's what grace and mercy and forgiveness and, and that whole journey is, is about. But until we really think, dig in deep about who we are, what makes us to be, it's hard to create that foundation. So that's why on the wheel, we go mental, spiritual, physical. So mental, and then the character of who we are and who God is, and then the physical. And so mastery to me kind of follows that same, that same thing. So if you wanted to master playing the piano, you, you know, what I would want to teach you in the same time is mastering the mindset of what the best piano players in the world have. Well, and to, and to that, Tom, you saying that, you know, back to, where I was a second ago and saying, we've seen people who have mastered a skill or whatever, but not themselves. That's actually not a fair statement. Nobody has, has gained mastery. Like what, what you just said, you know, playing the piano or whatever to do that, to gain a level of mastery in any area, you have to have some area of personal mastery. Now, maybe it's not people skills, maybe it's not health and wellness and self-discipline or whatever, but you got yourself at least to do that to, to, to invest back to Malcolm Gladwell's to do your, put your 10,000 hours in. So there is some level of 
of personal mastery to achieve, I think any level of mastery. So just to be fair, um, to that, I do, I did have Steve up there. I like that a mastering he's been pursuing and a mastery and being authentic. Uh, that's a good one. Well, this is a good one here too. Brian Lynchard. He says, I'm a master of being a Jack of all trades and a master of none. And I'm pretty serious about that. I said, I get that. Are you okay with it? Or do you desire mastery of a specific area? He said, I'm in technical sales. And for the most part, it serves me very well. I also own rental property and I flip houses and such. There are many, many people who can do the specialized things better than I can and often do it at a very good price as well. So I came back and said, uh, so I'm asking where you have the most mastery, even if you feel your mastery is not more than some other people. It sounds like sales, real estate, et cetera. He said, seriously, I think that it can be very valuable to have a broad base of knowledge. That's what I bring to the table in addition to years of experience, which add to that broad base. And I said, so then it sounds like you have mastery in bringing a wide array of competency and ability to the table. And that's interesting because we do, that is an age old statement, jack of all trades and a master of none. But sometimes in a certain environment, man, it is great to have somebody who's a jack of all trades. It's like when you had your, you know, your grandpa visit and he can help with your car. He can help with your plumbing. He can help with your taxes. I mean, the dude's lived a lifetime. He has so much experience. He can help with so many things. It's great. That's a, that's a level. Level of mastery in a broad uh, arena, so I think that the, that does have that does have merit. I, I wouldn't want people to discount the fact that they do have a broad array. Uh, man, after you know building a house and having so many kids, there's a lot. Of, my kids come to me a lot because Dad knows a little bit about a lot of things, and I can at least help steer them in the direction. But yeah, there's a very few of the things they ask me to do that I'm a master of, but I provide value. You know, I read a, an article a long time ago, and it was the uh, difference between a master uh, cabinet maker out of Europe, say out of France, mm -hmm. versus a master cabinet maker in the U.S. Okay. Okay. And the differences in the two are this. In France, you go through an apprentice system. And so you study and you learn and you serve the master for a number of years in the U S it's mainly self-taught. I mean, we're about individualism and go make it happen. Now here's what's interesting. We, we've lost apprenticeships for the most part. Yeah. And so what's interesting is when you look at the finished product of a master cabinet maker from France and a master cabinet maker from the U S uh, it's about the same. In fact, you, if you had 10 of each, sitting up there and you had judges who didn't know much or even judges who knew a lot, they probably wouldn't know who did what. Okay. But this is where you tell the difference. <laughs> you look at the, the, uh, the pile of wood on the side, the master who serves it, who grew up through an apprentice program has very little waste. And the person who learns how to do it themselves, there's a big pile of waste on the yeah. side, right? Isn't that interesting it is. that a lot of times we can get to the same finished product. It just takes longer with a lot more mistakes Yeah, yeah. if we try to try to do it on our own. So, uh, you know, and I think what uh, this example of, hey, you know, I know a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, it just, I, you know, what came to my mind is it's a good idea to have multiple streams of income. Yeah. Right. And a, a master is someone who knows 
I know who can do that job better than me. I would say he's a master of who, right? Who can do this better than me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And on that multiple streams of income, man, that's talk about another business classic book. Robert Allen wrote that book. I think he's who brought that term to popularity. At least that's where I learned it. Um, great book for those who haven't, who haven't uh, checked that one out. Well, Dallas here, this is interesting, Tom. He says, Kevin, uh, what area do you think Jesus mastered? Just curious as I find myself relating to the Jack of all trades, master of none guy above. And I replied back. I say, I'd say Jesus was the only entity that was a legit master in any area. The rest of us can only hope for continuing efforts of mastery. So for you, it's not, what are you a master of, but where do you have some level of mastery? Uh, and he came back and he said, well, I'd say it was, you know, construction and welding and listening for the Lord's subtle whispers and then contemplating them and sharing what I learn. Um, I'd like to replace the first with leadership development, life coaching and construction industry, industry awareness sometime in the near future. Uh, thanks for spurring the thought. Uh, and that is, that is good. And we heard that from a lot of people that again, thanks for spurring that thought that again, we don't often think about that, uh, for ourselves and it comes to mind. It's acute for me again, Tom, but just with my kids as they go out, start to grow up and go out into the world to know, well, you mentioned Seth Godin before I, I so often with them will bring up his book, man, it's been a while since that thing came out, uh, linchpin where he says, in essence, I don't know, did, did he use the word indispensable, how to become indispensable? Something of that nature, wasn't it? Something, something along something, that. Yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. How to become indispensable uh, in, your, you know, in your work. And I'd say that it's to become a master. How can you be irreplaceable in your work? Again, another thing that we see the populace, especially here in America, at least that I know suffering from is that we think if we have a role, have a job, we know how to do it, that that's enough. And that just means back to what you just said, not your cog at a wheel. You can be replaced, which most businesses want to make sure that they can replace you. And so they're going to advocate to that direction to some degree and sometimes don't necessarily benefit you by doing more, being more than that man, if you don't, you are replaceable and people are so waylaid. I think, especially the younger generation when they are, they have a company not loyal to them when they think I look, I'm doing the job, I'm doing what you ask. But if we don't do more than what's asked, we are not indispensable. We are not irreplaceable. There's no job security in it. All right. Evan here, he says, uh, Faith, family, and friendship. Uh, so this, I'm going to bring up a topic here. I'm going to read a couple here real quick. He says, those are big. I said, those are big areas. What aspects of mastery do you feel you have? He says, well, there's always room for growth, but faith is a, a broad spectrum for me in my relationship with God and Jesus. I have a few theological degrees in this area, uh, 29 years of experience of living as a believer. Uh, I'm a faithful husband to my wife, leader of my family. I've been married for 10 years now. We've gone through a lot of hardships. And when a lot of people uh, would just give up, we kept going. I have five people I consider my close friends, been in my life 10 plus plus years. And he goes on to talk about that. Okay, so hold that in your thought. Lori uh, Searchick, right after she says, good question. This has me thinking. I feel like I learn something new every day and I love that. I love learning. And to say I've mastered something just means that there's that much more to learn. So for now, I'll say I've mastered cooking. I've come a long way from my early cooking days. But that, the learning, I, I do wanna pull that out 
I think there is an inherent myth. I actually think it comes from childhood. So I've got a little girl. She's just about to turn eight. And she's, you know, when you get a kid who's three, four, five, six, every year, just the aspect of their existence and living another day, they experience more, they learn more, they grow and they evolve, you know, positively evolve and become more. I think we take that though into our life and think that in our twenties and our thirties and our forties, just the fact that we continue to, you know, live that we're growing, that we're maturing. And yet it's not the case. And it, it actually is attributed to Robin Sharma, who I mentioned before, and I'll paraphrase it. He said, I mean, living the same life over and over every year is not, uh, you know, not, not a true living. Uh, and we do that. We're not growing and learning just by doing that. Now I'm not, Evan, I know is a seeking, aspiring guide. He is uh, working to grow, but I, I just had an anniversary. It was my 27th anniversary, Tom. And, you know, of course you're supposed to espouse that. And I always have a little hitch because just the fact that I'm married 27 years doesn't really mean much. That could solely mean I'm really good at enduring pain. (laughs) (laughs) True story. And we've all known it. We know people who have their 50th, you know, mom and dad or grandma, grandma, 50th anniversary, 50 years of complete torture and misery that they have endured. And nobody wants that. So I'm not as prone to tout the, the quantity of time as saying 27 years and I am in love with my wife. Uh, that I'm proud of that. I'm still proud of. So back to this, you know, the time we've spent being a believer, being a husband, being a spouse, working at whatever are we, that does not necessarily equate to, are we learning? Are we growing? Are we, uh, somebody said before, are we producing more fruit? Are we producing better fruit? Are we like that? You, you got two carpentry guys as one, you know, learning to, to waste less and cost himself or the business less. Where are we growing? Where are we learning? That doesn't come by proxy of just time passing. So I've got a question for you. Is there a, uh, let's just say that mastery is your objective. Mm-hmm. So is there uh, an attitude or a character quality that comes to your mind that would say, hey, if I, if I really kept that in the forefront of my brain, it's going to help me be a master faster. Sure. A master faster. There master faster, man. I, maybe that's the title. I got to write that down. Maybe that's the title here. Master faster. Um, yeah, the first thing uh, that popped to mind was humility and then responsibility. Humility that, yeah, I'm not a master. Uh, I'm never going to achieve that. I can always be growing, just like Randy talks about. I can always be pursuing better wellness. But then the the word responsibility came up is I am cognizant and and have faith in the reality that I should be, that it is my responsibility to grow. That just coasting and saying, you know, I'm a dad. I'm a dad. I feed him. I, you know, I talk to them, spend a little time with them. That's not, I feel a responsibility to be kind of back to what you talked about earlier, Tom, about being intuitive and seeing as my kids are different, as they grow, as they change, if I'm going to be the mastering my fatherhood, I've got to be learning and growing and changing. And I mean, my oldest kid is 25. So I've never had a 26 year old kid next year. They're going to be 26 and they're going to be doing, you know, getting married, having a kid, buying a house, doing different things, going through radical changes. And if I can't ebb and flow with that and and grow to meet that need, 
um, I'm, I'm a stagnant father. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. I like it. What about you? In, yeah. Yeah. So, so this year there's been a couple of things that have been different for me. Um, and this is a mental think process. And the first, the, the first one was, uh, Hey, when somebody attacks me, I've trained my mind to say, would a, would a secure person do that? Mm, yeah. Okay. So we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, then I started with all the stuff that's going on in these evergreen shows, you know, this is a great, this is a great thing to have no matter whether we're in a pandemic or not. And that is, I've really tried to master, uh, confirmation bias. Huh? Okay. In other words, when is I'm going to get rid of as much noise as I can. And then when I hear something, I don't want to jump to believing it or disbelieving it based on confirmation of what I already believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the reason for the reason this is so key is the, the, the pivot points in our life. A lot of times the information comes from a source that may not fit into what we want. Right. And so we tend to reject it or give it less value. Okay. And this is the big one right now. And that is curiosity. Yeah, I think you said humility. I think if you were to combine humility and curiosity, that would open the doors wide open for not only a deeper understanding of whatever you want to master, but a deeper, uh, longer lasting impact of what you learn and how to apply it. That's what, you know, Einstein said curiosity was kind of his secret. He's just curious. Why is it that way? Yeah, that's good. That is good. Your confirmation bias. Yeah, that is, that's a hard one for me. I mean, we're, we're, we're as business leaders, owners, most of my time is spent. Not most of my, I, I, if I'm researching, I'm researching to find support to my bias. I love doing that. Don't you love doing that? Thinking, man, I think here's what I want to do and go out there and man, this supports it. This support, if you want investor money and that's your job, you want shark tank. Your job is to find research that supports, not invalidates. And yeah, I'm always hungry to, uh, find anything out there that confirms my bias. Good point. Uh, Laura. Rayburn here. I know Laura. She says long distance running road and trail. I like this list. Look at, listen how concise this is long distance running road and trails and endurance training 20 years on a fitness certification writing professional and creative creatively. Thanks to an English major and a natural bent Bible knowledge, the stories and the big picture. Thanks to my parents schooling and continued reading research and reporting a skills, a skill I've used at jobs in several industries, including mergers and acquisitions, event management, and now healthcare construction. It's taken different forms, but requires an ability to compile a lot of data info and condense to essential or useful info or communication. I'm also known as a persistent perfectionist at times. What a great list. Again, it, it motivates me to do I have a list of areas that I have. Again, not a master, but I have a level of mastery out there. I mean, what's the age old quote, Tom? I don't remember who gets attributed to it of you, know, you can become an expert in anything by reading three books or something of that nature. You, you, you remember that <laughs> so, one? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, But it is. I mean, to a degree, take something, take, uh, you know, cryptocurrency or something these days and, and go 
if you read three complete books written on that, the, the amount that more that you know than the average person, it's pretty dramatic. You know, call it whether you would call it an, an ex being an expert, maybe you wouldn't call it a master, but you have a master, you have a pretty in depth knowledge uh, of that. It's amazing. But, but, you know, back to Laura, knowing these areas, these and most of what she wrote out there, you know, endurance and fitness, writing, uh, biblical knowledge, we could say spiritual knowledge, research, reporting, I mean, those are transferable skills. So if all of a sudden her job disappears, whatever role she has, whatever job she's in right now, she knows some transferable skills. That is so important. I'll never forget my dad, Dan Miller, um, who in his executive coaching had a guy who worked for one of the biggest healthcare companies in America. And the guy got laid off. There was some merger or something like that. And all of a sudden he lost his job. The guy said for 20 years, cause he, and he had no idea what he could do. All he knew was that company, that role. It was a C-suite role. He was making big money. He said, but for 20 years, I've had my head down and my pencil up here at this desk. I have no idea what else I can do. And of course that's what he paid my dad to go figure out. Okay. There's no way that you were, uh, had a level of mastery in this company, this huge company without having some transferable skills. And that's what uh, he paid my dad to do. And sure enough, he, you know, that's, that's what my dad's had a mastery, a level of mastery and being able to do is, is pull it out. But for us to all know that it also just gives such, I have the feeling of uh, like walkaway power, Tom, that I am not beholden for those of you who are out there in a job to feel like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is it. We should, we should all know we would all be, be benefited even just mentally to know we have transferable skills. We have things that we can offer to other companies, similar industries, maybe not, maybe something dissimilar, but we know where our inherent gifting skills, talents, abilities, and, and places where we have, again, back to Malcolm, L, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers book, we have put in time, we have achieved a level of mastery. It's powerful to know. So I, I have a thought for Laura. This, this to me would be an interesting thing. Uh, take each one of those areas that you've got mastery in, make them circles, and then have all the circles kind of overlap in the middle a Venn diagram. Yes. Man, that's a big word. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It just, you, just, ha just have and, and see what, sh and so let's just create another level. If we've got brown belt and we've got black belt, now we've got ninja. Okay. So, uh -huh. so Laura, if you looked at all of those areas and you could find, you know, a sweet spot where they kind of all overlap, and that's probably your superpower. And then ask yourself the question, okay, who in the market needs this superpower? And what problems are they facing? Yeah. Man, you know, I think people are in the zone more, you know, probably more intensely when they get to just flow into whatever their mastery is. And if it's, if it's hit on five or six things that you've learned to do really well, man, that's a lot of joy in that. That okay, so you, I, I do appreciate you pulled that out. So, uh, folks, if you type in Venn, V E N N, Venn diagram, uh, you can find templates to do that. And you're right, Tom, and that is that is powerful to see where do these things meet. So, my dad, as I just mentioned, Dan Miller, is 
renowned for utilizing those back to what you said earlier, multiple streams of income. So if you go to his business and I think it's available online, if you type in Dan Miller, Venn diagram or 48 days, I was trying to see if I could find it here real quick, but he has one where he publicly has shown, Hey, here's my the Venn diagram of my business. And he has books and products, online courses, executive coaching, live events, I, I don't know, yada, yada. And, and each of those, you know, shows how much, and then, and then where do they overlap? What's the thread that he is doing within those? Yeah. Talk about powerful again, to know where you are providing value. I agree, Tom superpower. There's a superpower. Terry Johnson. He says, I have proudly mastered. I like this one. You, you will too. My morning routine. I can't do a day without it. I recently had my journal, my journal tailor made and printed with tick boxes to make sure I get every step done. It has printed lines for the three things I'm most grateful for boxes for each physical exercise, Bible reading, two chairs, uh, with two chairs. And he's, he's referring to your mentor, Bob Bodine, who we've had on the show. I don't have the show notes, but Bob Bodine, two chairs, meditation, reviewing life rules and goals, etc. Basically, I created a system out of it so I cannot forget to do it all. As some days, it was hard to remember every step and it didn't feel quite right if I forgot one component. It works so well. Um, uh, actually, I don't, I don't understand what you said right there at the end. Uh, but that is, man, mastering more. We're back to habits, Tom. And what is the quickest way? Tom, what's the quickest way to success? To replace a bad habit with a good habit. Well, Terry's on it. He's got his journal. Uh, that is one, you know, having a, I, I do like that he says his routine because you're talking about habits. You know, you're, you're, you're one of the top people, personalities in the world of that topic of habits, having those good habits. But we have to take those habits. The success comes from having those habits and putting them into a routine. I'll never forget a personal assistant of mine back when I was first podcasting and she was trying to get me to be consistent just with when I post, when I publish, she said, she said people really like consistency. And I wasn't because she knows that I enjoy my daily spontaneity. It's one of the main reasons I work for myself so I can do what I want when I want. However, she said, you know, Kevin, you've got, I know you don't like rules and structure and guidelines and whatever, but do you have some routines? I said, I have routines. I guess so. Have you ever forgotten to brush your teeth in the morning? No, never forget that. She says, when's the last time you went without your coffee in the morning? No, it didn't happen. Devotion time, journaling. No, I don't, I don't miss it. Those are routines. Can you just give us a routine for when you do the, the podcast? Uh, and I, I, I did. And you know, today that's a, uh, of course a big part of even this show, but having that, what is that routine? And man, I am so like Terry here to where I have to set it up to be dummy proof. I'm amazed at how forgetful I can be, even of the most important things. So my wife's been on me to wear sunscreen because I'm out biking a lot these days. And I just forget. I'll go for a month and forget. Now I finally fixed it. How? I put the tube of sunscreen in my cycling shoe. I cannot put that shoe on without stepping on that stupid stuff. I pull it out. I put it on. I've been rock solid for the past 10, 15 rides. That's a routine. What can we do? To where we can't miss it. And I, I, you grew up with this, didn't you? You know, different little habits and routines and heck, call them gimmicks, whatever it is, so that you don't forget. Yeah. You know what? It's uh, we all snicker until it works. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's just, 
Yeah, and what's you know what's really interesting to me, and this is this is a spiritual principle that underlines this, and that is this that uh, we are created in God's image, and when we are most closest to God, it's when we're creating. And what routines do, what getting stuff out on paper does, is it frees up our brain to let go of the endless loops and things we got to remember to really be released to go what it, to go do what it does best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is to create. And so anytime we have a little routine, a little trick, a little gimmick, something that puts us on the right path, what we're doing is we're essentially creating more time for our brain to be creative. This is, uh, you know, and folks, this is, uh, there was a ton. This was May 12th, 2020 is when I posted this question. Uh, so if you go find me on Facebook, Agent K Miller, uh, May 12th, 2020, we've probably not gotten through half of the responses, but I think we get the point here that when we want to elevate again, the, well, I think, I think two, uh, two, two primary thoughts, Tom, and tell me what you think. And if, if you've got some different ones, but one of just, again, elevating the value, the essentialism of pursuing mastery in some areas of our lives, that that's a, back to what you said to being, uh, you know, are you, are you curious? Do you feel responsible? I like that word responsible. I feel convicted that I am supposed to be doing that, that back to Jesus and Matthew and Mark and the parable of the talents that I am supposed to take my propensities and grow them and nurture them and become an outlier, as Malcolm Gladwell says, with my 10,000 hours and, and a level of mastery and a growing level of mastery. Um, that one. And then two, I need to be aware of those. And this, this is a great exercise. If, if, if you don't get anything out of the show other than taking 10 minutes, whatever it is, 5, 10, 30 minutes, I think, gosh, what are some areas where I know, I know X, Y, Z? I know more than maybe the average person doesn't mean that you're a master. I mean, I know about house building. I built a house. We designed it, did the general contracting. I did a lot of the a labor. I am not even remotely a master of construction and carpentry, but I've got a level of mastery that the average person doesn't. Even the average person says that they, yeah, they had a house built because they, they had it done by somebody, man, I was intricately involved uh, with that. So I have a level of, of mastery. I'm not growing that one currently. Uh, I'm the guy who, when I do something, Tom, there's possibly more scrap in the scrap heap than what I started with. Uh, <laughs> that's but, why we call, that's why we call you uh three fingers Miller. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, well, it, <laughs> that's so funny. I don't know if you remember, but one of my sons, my, th uh, what is my third son about lost the finger, uh, during farmer's market cutting with a circular saw and made a rookie mistake. But, um, but you know, again, if somebody's going to build a house and thinking about doing their own thing, build it in an alternative house. Mine is a, a straw bale construction. I got, I've got something I can offer and I could easily grow that if I wanted to offer some consulting or some uh, level of, of skill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can go down. I know the areas that I have pursued and that I am pursuing. I, I, I am now claiming a level of mastery in behavioral economics. I didn't even know that word a couple years ago, but that's where my interest lies. That's where, uh, what I feel called to do, uh, knowledge and expertise uh, will help that. And so I'm pursuing that and I have a level of, of mastery. I am not a master, but man, that's something that I can give some value to 
and yada, yada. I love, I just love the idea of the exercise of that, Tom, of everybody doing that to where at the heartbeat, they can say, Hey, what do you know about? What's something that you're, you know, you've got a decent level of knowledge. If you need to dumb it down because it feels too much to say master, use a different word. What do you have a level of knowledge? It'd be good. Something we should all have in our back pocket. Yeah. And you know, what's kind of cool to think about right now <laughs> is ask yourself if are, is that person who's telling me something, what's their overall level of knowledge in that? And if it's more than what you got, <laughs> just get curious and ask questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't, you know, we used to call it the topper game. Oh yeah. Well, I read this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. play topper. Well, and, and I know, you know, we're at a time right now w- during this epidemic or, or pandemic uh, where there's a lot of hmm, negative baggage around that because everybody comes on social media, especially and there. Everybody's a master of, 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 you know, every viewpoint. And so granted, uh, but man, we, look, don't let that don't let the negative baggage around that take away from your ability and and the value you can have for yourself of knowing some areas where you have a level of mastery and sitting back also and go, where do I want to be increased? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll end by, can I put you on the spot, Tom? Is there an area where would you say, I'm thinking for myself as well. I got a couple, but uh, an area where you are actively, you have some routines in your life. You're pursuing good habits. You're seeking knowledge to increase your level of mastery in a specific area. Well, I just said one, but for me, it's behavioral economics. I'm, I'm avidly pursuing knowledge and understanding. Well, I, I mentioned them earlier. Uh, confirmation bias. Right, right, right. That's is, right. I'm, is I'm really, really working on that right now. Um, and curiosity is the new one. I just, I just want to be curious. Uh, you know, one of the things I'll mention here at the tail end is I just wrote another ebook, uh, and it's called, uh, motivating and leading a remote workforce. And you can get it at ziggler.com forward slash remote. It's free. You know, it's just a, it's a great, we need to do a show on that. But, but the reason I'm bringing it up is when all this stuff happened, I thought, Okay, I'm, uh, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to go on with the workforce? All these people are working from home now. And I started reading about, you know, the effects of situations like this that have happened throughout history because I wanted to create a mindset in me that would allow me to not only uh, do as well as I can in, in this situation, but also to, to help other people do it too. And so that's a part of that curiosity thing that's that's going on, mastering the curiosity. So if you're already a mastery, mastery level in, in, in something, just get real curious about how that's been changed or impacted by what's going on in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I like it. What a time to be curious. And I would say it's concerning that we're probably at an age where there is less, as we have more screens and more entertainment, we have less curiosity. And from that would be less mastery. Well, hey, I'm motivated, Tom. Thanks, uh, as always, for everybody who shared on this. And uh, uh, I am uh, I enjoy doing that. I feel like a master when I do shows with you. How's that? <laughs> That's awesome. All right, brother. Thanks. All right. Thanks. 
Okay, I am confident that this show has you significantly thinking about your own levels of mastery. And I truly hope you'll take a just a moment at least to do the exercise, write down the areas that you have a level of mastery in and the areas that you want to grow in mastery of. And you may want to also just write down some levels where you want any, you, you want to, maybe they're new, uh, where you want to pursue mastery. So powerful. Well, coming up in episode 787, financial success as the means to sustain your mission. So entrepreneurs are notoriously mission driven. They do what they do for personal reasons and to serve others. Finances are often not the primary focus and as such can often be neglected until it handicaps the overall effort. Uh, I'm saying that from distinct knowledge of, you know, myself, I, I have violated this time and time again. Well, Janelle Bruland was a single mom committed to only working part-time and here is our habits show. And she shares in the financial spoke, the prioritization that she gave financial success as the means to sustain her missions. And it sounds so elementary, but again, as a lifetime entrepreneur who has lived in a world of entrepreneurs, uh, I'm just amazed how often we can miss this issue. Uh, Janelle was my guest in show 785, where we discussed the gap between you and your highest potential. Uh, that's a primary message from her book, her new book, The Success Lie. Uh, you can connect with Janelle at thesuccesslie.com, but you're going to get a lot out of the episode. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>